go. And we're back from underlining our parts. A little discussion on... Uh, I numbered the pages. It's okay. Good thinking. Infectious just dropped his page, but I've numbered them, so Excellent. I knew this would happen. <laughs> smart. What a smart playwright you are. <laughs> <laughs> the regular old Billy Shakespeare over here. Do you think he numbered his pages? Oh, certainly. Because... Really, you think about it, his, he wouldn't have had multiple copies of his script. He would have just handed out people's parts to them. That's true. Yeah. Hmm. I really wonder. So would he have had one master? No. I think he would have, they would have just compiled them. He would have just written the, wow. Oh, gave it to an underling to rewrite. Maybe, but it was all literally like. Oh, hold on. Shakespeare was 1564 to 1616. Printing press invented in 1450. You think he. Like he had a. Well, I don't think he printed them, but I'm sure there would have been a way to sort of... Because, like, Ben Johnson's folio of Shakespeare came out right quick after his death, right? Yeah, the it, was compilation with, it was very soon. Of his place. The so, first folio? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I would kill someone to get my hands on that. Like, I would straight up murder someone in open air to... Where is it? Uh, probably London. How okay. much is it worth? Oh, that'd be... Uh, well, the thing it's is, that if word you, where it's like you can't put it priceless. It'd, yeah, it'd yeah, be priceless because like it would be like pills. stealing the Mona Lisa. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Who could you sell it to? You know what I mean? Like, I know a guy. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> How could he afford to buy it off me after I've stolen it, though? Yeah. You, don't worry. You know how long you got to hide that before, like you could re-emerge? Oh. You know how many generations, generations you'd have to yeah. hide that? <laughs> you wouldn't even get to reap the profit. You would die. With the full, I'd make it bare. I'd be like, well, bury me with the folio, I'd I guess. I'd draw a big mustache on it. <laughs> <laughs> so, as far as stage directions and that kind of non-character verbiage, yeah. uh, should one of us do that? I think Prophet's going to do that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We can Let, trade off if someone's been sitting for a while. Okay. That's the way I was thinking. There's only a couple places where someone will sit for a while, and I haven't divided this into acts or anything like that. Maybe scenes would be better. But there's one scene that just includes just make a mark of it as Jordan Randy and, and there's talk about it after one sure. scene that includes just Alex and Drew. Okay. And that's where the others would be sitting, but yeah, it's yeah. Okay. Are we ready? Yeah. All right. Hello humans and welcome to the Hello Calgary podcast. Freedom of voice. opens in a classroom with 10 desks, preferably facing away from the audience, or facing the audience, depending on how we can show the clip from It's a Wonderful Life. As the play opens, the students have just finished the film, and we end on the shot where George Bailey reads from Tom Sawyer, No man is a failure who has friends. Mr. James. And that grade nines is the most important lesson from the greatest Christmas movie ever created. It's not the grandiose thing one does in life that defines success. It's the little things that one doesn't even know, d doesn't even likely know about. Alex raises his hand. Uh, yes, Alex? I have an observation to make. Huh. I'm sure you do. When do you not? Turning to audience. Don't worry, 
he's really not that frustrated. It's a kind of charmingly frustrating relationship we have. I ask insightful, self-admittedly annoying questions, and he secretly loves them. Isn't that just a load of Christmas crap? <sighs> Why, Alex? <laughs> because that just doesn't happen. Why would anyone be so happy after having all those terrible things happen to them? I mean, he's almost arrested, and he jumps off a bridge. And at the very end, he realizes his life is wonderful, becomes rich, and the whole town ends up singing Old Lang Syne in his house. Alex turns to audience and addresses them directly. Look, it's not that I'm anti-Christmas or happy endings. I'm not a Scrooge demanding that the prisons and workhouses continue their operations, or that happy Christmas people be boiled in their own pudding and buried with a stake of holly through their heart. Turning back to Mr. James, it's just, how often does that happen? I've never had a massive, transformative Christmas experience like that. It's always just been meh. Like the year my dad got me a carton of cigarettes, my old man grabbed me and said, Hey, smoke up, Alex. That was breakfast club. <laughs> I wasn't there the year that Goblin stole Christmas. That was a Grinch? The time those terrorists took over Nakatomi Plaza? Die hard. When that kid shot his eye out. A Christmas story. <laughs> And why wasn't I invited when Han Solo and Chewbacca visited the Wookiee planet for Christmas? Are you actually referencing the Star Wars holiday special? <laughs> How do you even know about that? It was shown once in 1978. The year the elves rebelled and Santa was ultimately trampled and eaten by his reindeer? That's just made up. I think the point is, Alex, that the spirit and meaning of Christmas isn't found through some magical, once-in-a-lifetime experience, but through finding kindness and good in others stands up and addresses the audience directly. So, as you've heard, my name is Alex, and I'm in grade nine. Before you start making assumptions, I'm actually a normal kid. I like video games, I TikTok, do my homework when I feel like it, and as you can tell, I read voraciously and have a religious devotion to pop culture, through which I live vicariously. It's why Mr. James, our language arts teacher, puts up with me. What am I rebelling against? This unrealistic vision of Christmas. I also have two awesome best friends, Randy and Jordan. Randy, Randy stands hi. up. Oh, sorry. Stands up from the desk behind, beside Alex and directly faces the audience. Hi, I'm Randy. I've been best friends with Alex since grade two when he picked up a battery and threw it across the playground, knocking out my front tooth. I like drawing and music. I play guitar in School of Rock and know everything there is to know about music. The Beatles. You too. Rolling Stones, Sam Cooke, Billie Holiday, the Backstreet Boys, everything good. I also know a lot about golf and World War II. <laughs> Jordan stands up from the desk beside Randy and directly faces the audience. Hi, I'm Jordan. I've been best friends with Alex and Randy since grade two, when Alex chucked a battery across the playground and knocked out Randy's front tooth. I picked up the tooth. I'm the more intellectual of the group, I like school, always do my homework, have a 97% overall average, and I'm currently making the greatest of all Dungeons & Dragons campaigns. It has Vecna, the Mind Flayer, and the Demi-Gorgon all in one. I also know Taekwondo. Surprise! It's December 18th. The last day of school before Christmas break, and as is tradition, we're pulling an all-night sleepover at my house. My parents are out of town for my sister's soccer tournament, and Jordan and Randy's parents are cool. So you know what that means. Things are going to be debaucherous. I'm talking no sleep. 
pizza. Warzone. YouTube videos of skydiving fails. Cool eggs straight from the packet. Binging Stranger Things. Making epic TikToks. Listening to the Backstreet Boys. Wait, what? I, I, I um, want it that way. It's the perfect beginning to Christmas break. And we've only got three more periods until the end of Shut Up, Loser Face. <sighs> this is Drew, our class bully. He never misses a chance to tell me to shut up or insult me or make fun of me. He's not even very good at it. He thinks adding face to every insult makes it legit. Loser face, nerd face, butt face. The weird thing is, he used to be our best friend. Up until grade seven, we were like the Musketeers. Athos, Porthos, Aramis, and D'Artagnan. We were inseparable until Drew decided that we just weren't cool anymore. Suddenly it wasn't cool to hang out with us or watch Man Gets Mauled by Mongoose on YouTube. It was like a switch flipped and all of a sudden he was anti-us in every way. He's cool now. He does things like setting the school garbage cans on fire and posting them on TikTok. He has over 2,000 followers. All of the students in the school follow him. So now he just goes out of his way to insult us and make our lives hell. Which is ironic, because in grade five, he used to eat chalk. <laughs> Have a great Christmas, everyone. Make good choices. Fade to black. Open on a locker scene. Alex, Randy, and Jordan stand in front of lockers with numerous students either walking by, back and forth, or in tableau. Randy. I can't wait for tonight. I made a new Spotify playlist just for tonight. Christmas Jams 2022. I know. I've been practicing Warzone all week. Kill streak, baby. This'll be the best Christmas sleepover yet. Alex begins opening his locker and struggles, pulling forcefully. This stupid lock never opens properly. Continues struggling, pulling more forcefully. <sighs> Just go to class without me. I'll meet you in a second. Later, player. Randy and Jordan exit stage left. At this point, there are students walking in both directions across the stage as Drew enters carrying a Gatorade. Alex continues struggling with his lock, pulling forcefully, until it finally opens. Alex falls backward into Drew, who is walking by. Drew drops his Gatorade on the floor. You made me spill my Gatorade, dork face. Now where am I supposed to get my electrolytes? Alex, turning back to his locker, mumbling under his breath. Probably can't even spell electrolytes. What'd you say, dweeb? You better clean this up before Mr. Potter comes, because he's so damn cranky, and I'm not getting yelled at because you can't open a locker. Lick it up, quickly. Let's go. Drew grabs Alex by the back of the neck and motions to Alex to look down and lick the floor. Come on, man. I didn't mean to do this. Yeah, well, I didn't mean to do this. Drew picks Alex up and pushes him against the locker by the collar when the students in the hallway start chanting in unison. Here comes the custodian! Here comes the custodian! Here comes the custodian! The students part so that the custodian, Mr. Potter, can walk through. Mr. Potter walks slowly, menacingly and grumpily, with a mop in his hand. As he makes his way through the crowd of students, we hear them say, Shh, it's Mr. Potter. He's the meanest custodian in any school, anywhere. He's always angry. He hates kids. I heard that he pushed a student once. He never smiles. I heard the school has been trying to get rid of him for years. I heard his wife left him and took his kids with him. I heard he's the leader of a cult that worships the dark world and eats bald eagle bacon. I heard he murdered his family and buried them in his backyard. All the students stop and look, 
wide-eyed and surprised at student 10. Student 10 nods energetically and in the affirmative, convincing the students of their statement. As Mr. Potter comes to the spot of a spill, he looks around and growls. Hmm. Who did this? It was him! It was him. Yeah. To Drew, angrily, raising his voice to a crescendo. You again! Aren't you the one who set the garbage can on fire last year? You think I don't have better things to do than cleaning up silly little spills from punks like you? You kids have no respect and no manners at all. If I ever have to deal with you again, you'll be in the office so fast your head will spin. Mr. Potter cleans the spill and trudges off, stage right, grumbling and mumbling something incomprehensible. Drew to Alex. Look what you did. You got me in trouble. I'll probably get a phone call home. I don't like you, and now I'm pissed. Now stuff yourself in the locker. Alex looks at Drew, and at the locker, back to Drew, and then back at the locker. He deep sighs audibly and steps into the locker as Drew closes it and locks it. Drew exits stage left. Fade to black. At this point, the stage should be split into two. The left side of the classroom, the left side of the classroom with students and desks, with one empty, and the right side with Alex, who is stuck in the locker. The rest of the scene will vacillate between, vacillate between dialogue between the left side and the right side. When the right side is in the action, the left side should be blacked out and vice versa. When action is occurring on the other side of the stage, it should be in tableau. Nice, I love that. The bell rings to indicate the start of class. <laughs> Where's Alex at? He's late. I don't know, but he's going to get in trouble. He's going to miss the science test. Why do we even have a science test the last day before break? In order for this to work, we'll need to build a separate locker. And the idea is that we see Alex inside the locker as a profile. Right side of the stage, Alex inside the locker pushing to get out. After pushing a few seconds, he gives up and appears defeated until he has a bright idea. I'll call Randy or Jordan. Where the hell's my phone? Alex tries to reach into his pocket, but is unable to get his phone. This should be played as a struggle of man versus genes. Almost there. <laughs> Can't reach it. God damn you, fashion forward skinny jeans. Left side of the stage, students writing a test. Mr. Stewart, has anyone seen Alex? He needs to write his test. Randy? Jordan? I, I don't know where he is. He was just at his locker and said he'd be here. I'll text him. As we see Jordan texting into his phone, a voiceover narrates a message being sent, or they can be displayed on the screen above. W2H. WTH. <laughs> Where are you? Stuart is pissed. Text back. Right side of the stage, sound of phone vibrating. Alex continues to try to get the phone from his pocket. Left side of the stage, Jordan. No answer, Mr. Stewart. Do you want us to look for him? No. He'll just have to write his test when he decides to show up in January. Right side of the stage, Alex inside a locker who has given up trying to reach his phone and shouts through the locker and bangs to try and get someone to hear him. Help, help, anyone, help. This goes on for a few seconds until he gives up and begins to yell very pathetically. Uh, uh. All right, Alex, calm down. You've trained for this. We'll just wait until someone comes by. It won't be too long. How is the hallway so empty? Where are the usual hallway crews, the, the hall rats? Where's bathroom vape nation at? It's okay, it's fine, it's just a tiny confined space with minimal oxygen, and oh my god, I'm going to die in here. Oh, finally, I hear someone. Ugh, oh, it's Mr. Potter. Well, better than no one, I guess. 
We see Alex about to pound on the locker and shout, but stops suddenly. Enter Mr. Potter, dragging a heavy bag on the floor through the empty hallway, struggling to drag it, pausing every pull. What's he dragging? It looks heavy. Talking to the bag. Shh, shh. Quietly, quietly. Come now. Hurry. Can't have anyone hear or see this, or else there'll be trouble. Shh. Almost there. Mr. Potter continues to struggle mightily with the bag. What could that crazy, cranky, cantankerous old kook be dragging in a bag? A dead body? (laughs) Okay, no, can't be a body, but why was he talking to it? But that does look heavy and body-like. My God, that dude is creepy. I'd rather stay in this locker than end up like whoever he's got in this bag. Mr. Potter exits the stage. At this point, the lights can come up on the entire stage as the principal makes an announcement over the intercom. Principal Perry. Please excuse the interruption. This is your principal, Mr. Perry, speaking. Students and teachers, we've just received word from the Alberta Weather Service that a freak snowstorm has already begun. This snowstorm is expected to dump 30 centimeters of snow in the half hour and wreak havoc with infrastructure. Global warming, am I right? All of your parents have been emailed, and it is recommended that they come to pick you up as soon as possible. We will end the school day early. Have a great Christmas, and see you in January. The school bell rings, and the students cheer and exit stage left. The scene is now the hallway. Getting out early is awesome, but we have to find Alex before we can go, before the storm gets too intense. Like camping, get it? Intense? (laughs) Randy pauses to look at Jordan. They stare at each other for three seconds, then high-five each other. Look at that joke is awesome. Randy. Yeah, where in the actual hall is he? Let's go check his locker. Call him again. Jordan dials phone, and Randy and Jordan walk by the locker, while at the same moment an announcement comes back on. And just to get everyone in the Christmas spirit... A Christmas song plays over the intercom. Randy and Jordan are walking by the locker, but the sound of the song drowns out the vibrating of the phone. It's ringing, but there's no answer. Can't hear a ringtone or vibration over the damn intercom song. No answer. Let's check the rest of the school. Jordan and Randy continue walking through the hallway past Alex's locker. Alex sees Randy and Jordan and starts banging, but is drowned out by the song. The song ends. No, guys, come back. I'm in here. Stupid intercom song. They'll be back soon, right? Either that or I'm stuck in here and my Christmas gift to the school will be my rotting, decrepit corpse. (laughs) Help! Help! Randy Jordan! Randy and Jordan begin walking back through the hall past the locker again. This time, they hear the screaming. Jordan, you hear that? Alex, is that you? Yes, thank God. I'm in the locker. Anything to get out of a scientist. Science test, huh? No, stupid Drew threatened me and locked me in the stupid locker. No worries, we'll get you out. What's your combination? 4, 11, 14. Randy tries to lock and pulls it. It doesn't open. I'll try. Jordan tries to lock and pulls it. It doesn't open. Okay, so the lock is stuck. Want me to get Mr. Potter to cut it open? No, not Potter. I'll tell you after. Okay, well, I know Taekwondo, so I can probably just chop this thing off. Uh, okay, but hurry up. The school's got to be empty, and we got to go before the storm gets worse. Stand back, everyone. Stand back. 
Jordan takes a couple of steps back, makes a running charge, and chops a lock, grasping his hand, screaming, and falling on the floor in pain. Ah. All right, plan B. <laughs> Alex, I'm going to enter the combo, and then I'll pull as hard as I can, and you push as hard as you can. Ready? One, two, three. Randy and Alex both fall backward as the locker opens. Both stand up and dust themselves off. Stupid Drew. I spilled his Gatorade accidentally and he forced me into the locker. He is the worst. This would have been easier if we just got Mr. Potter to cut the locker open. What's up? Man, that guy gives me the creeps. When I was stuck in the locker, I saw Mr. Potter dragging a huge equipment bag through the hallways. Honestly, it could have been a dead body for all I know. It was like rear window. Never saw it. Well, at the end, it turns out the neighbor did murder his wife. I said I've never seen it, not that I wasn't going to. <laughs> the movie's 68 years old. It's not a spoiler. Honestly, though, it wouldn't surprise me. Potter is always angry. Probably needs the dead bodies to keep him alive. The dead bodies probably help fuel his anger. Uh, doesn't matter. He can do whatever, he, whatever weird he wants, because we're getting the hell out of here. We have a sleepover party to start. All three cheer as they walk toward the door. Woo! Stage Woo! right. They don't break their stride as they push against the door and are forced backwards. They push again. It still remains shut. What the hell? It's only been like 20 minutes. Did they lock the school? How can you even lock a door from the inside? Are you kidding? Jordan peers out the window. Guys, the snow is like up to the window. Come on, there has to be an open the stupid thing. Alex starts violently pushing against the door and the other two follow. The door still does not budge. All right. Step back. I'll open this thing. I know Taekwondo. Jordan backs up purposefully and charges at the door with a flying kick. He falls to the ground in pain and agony, writhing in pain. Guys, it's okay. I'll just text my parents. At this point, we hear a voiceover narrating text messages. Can you come get us? Please? I'll do my chores. Hello? It says message can't be sent. I'll call them. Dial's number. The call's not going through. You guys? Alex and Jordan both tried to place calls, holding the phones up to their ears. Same result. They both shake their heads. I don't get it. When I called you from class and when we were looking for you in the hallway, the phone was ringing. That was like half an hour ago. The storm has been messing with the network. Unless it's just because we're with Rogers. <laughs> Okay, okay. What are we going to do? We're stuck in the school. Let's try the other doors. Alex, Randy, and Jordan attempt to open other doors. Stage left, downstage, with the same result. Every door is jammed shut. We're literally stuck inside the school. <laughs> this movie would be called At School Alone. <laughs> what? Just stop. This is real life. Not an excellent movie. We're actually locked inside the school. And who knows when the hell we're getting out? What if it's days? That's it. I'm done. I give up. Jordan slowly and purposefully lays on the floor, face down, arms by his side. <laughs> Guys, come on. Did Kevin McAllister give up when his parents went on vacation without him? Or when they let him go to New York alone? No, he had the time of his life. Still lying on the floor dejectedly. No, he almost got killed by the burglars. <laughs> Picking Jordan up off the floor, explaining convincingly, right, but there aren't a lot of burglars inside the school. 
There's no pizza here either. No, but there is a home ec room with loads of non-perishable food items. Triscuits, straight from the box, anyone? Yeah, but there's Mr. Potter. There's no way Mr. Potter is still here. He was probably out of here the minute the bell rang and, like, laying in his coffin in a graveyard <laughs> or something like that. The point, my lads, is that at this very moment, we are the only people in this school, and we can do whatever we want. We wanted the most epic sleepover ever, and we've been given this gift of free reign inside of the school. This is every kid's ultimate fantasy. I don't believe in Christmas miracles, but this has got to be one. The storm can't last forever. Eventually, the phones will work again. Now, what do you say? Should we turn this debacle into a straight-up debacle and have <laughs> the greatest night ever at school alone? Now, who's with me? <sighs> yeah, all right, I suppose. Fade to black. This next section would serve as a movie montage of all the things the three kids do inside of the school. Ideally, it would be set to a song. Christmas or otherwise, it could include Randy playing guitar and singing while Jordan and Alex dance like nerds, eating food from the home ec room, racing chairs down the hallway, dancing in a line in an homage to Breakfast Club, literally standing two feet apart from each other. Uh, and throwing balls at each other, drawing all over the boards, dressed up in costumes and acting out scenes from movies, making TikTok videos, and then falling and starting over, or whatever cool things we can think of. It is important that one of the shots has the students accidentally light something on fire, in a comedic, non-malicious way, and putting it out. <laughs> Ideally, each of these events would run across the stage from left to right, then right to left, or we have it filmed and then projected. Ooh, I like that that's, idea. That's what yeah. I want, I like yeah. That. Uh, as the montage ends, we find Alex, Randy, and Jordan reading comic books in the library. Now, this is pretty awesome, isn't it? I think we home alone the heck out of this school. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've never seen a fire in real life before. It was scary. <laughs> you lost so much arm hair. You have a weird scream. <laughs> it's like really loud. Hey, should we make sure we actually put the fire out? That extinguisher was hard to handle. <laughs> Probably a good idea. Alex, Randy, and Jordan stand up and walk through the hallway, stage right to stage left. As they walk, we can hear faint music and sniffing, sniffling, as though someone is crying quietly nearby. Do you guys hear that? Yeah. Sounds like music and someone crying? Jordan, are you crying? Careful. I know Taekwondo, idiot. <laughs> it's coming from Miss, Mr. Stewart's room. As the students walk in, they see Drew listening to music, sitting in a desk quietly, sniffling and stifling tears, hopefully singing along pathetically to Joni Mitchell's River. Drew? Huh? What? No, shut up. You did. Are you crying? Yeah, I was crying. Maybe later we can have a picnic and talk about our feelings. <laughs> it sounded like you were crying. Is everything okay? I wasn't crying. Shut up about that. You don't know anything. Then what are you doing here? Are you at school aloneing it, too? <laughs> what? No, I'm not doing whatever loser thing you're doing. I'm fine. I'm just here because I'm a, a rascal. I can leave whenever I want. What are you dorks doing here? Well, you locked me in a locker, remember? By the time I got out, the doors were snowed in. So thanks to you, we're stuck inside the school till the network's up or this door can open. Whatever. No, it's not whatever. Are you actually serious right now? 
You locked Alex in his locker. You made it so we're locked inside the school and can't leave. This is your fault. You've been a massive jerkwad to us for three years and we're tired of it. Get a life. I bet you're still here so you can just keep torturing us. That's enough. That's enough. That's enough. Yes, that's yeah, enough. That's enough. <laughs> Sweeps hand through the air emphatically as if telling a ghost that haunting a house is ridiculous. Did you just call me a jerkwad? Jerk face? Are you threatening me? What, you want some of this? Let's go. Starts walking across the stage to the three boys, stopping just in front of them, staring menacingly. Jordan purposefully taking his shoes off, slowly and methodically. What are you doing? I'm taking my shoes off because I know Taekwondo. <laughs> okay, you know what, Jordan? Whatever you think you're man enough to... Before he can finish, Jordan quickly kicks Drew twice and punches him. <laughs> this is not overtly violent and hopefully comedic. Or... <laughs> Come along. <laughs> right before Jordan does his Taekwondo, he slips and accidentally hits Drew. Drew, obviously in pain, cries a little bit and turns away. <laughs> Taekwondo. Jerkwad. Just get out of here. Leave me alone. The three boys turn to leave with Drew when we... Sorry. The three boys turn to leave facing left with Drew facing right when we hear a faint scream loud enough to stop the boys. Okay, hold on. I got to play the scream, though. <laughs> this is the scream, okay? Okay. volume on? Uh, yeah, I'll get it. Just, <laughs> I should have had this prepped up. I was ready for something else. That's fine. It's okay. It's, we're winging it it's here. A, it's a run-through, right? It was winging production. What are you going to do? It's the way we do it. Just the microphone will do it. <laughs> nice. It's a very specific... <laughs> 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 Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Did you hear that? What was that? It was nothing. It was nothing? It was nothing. Did you hear that? And the stage fades to black. Ooh, end act one. End act oh. one. So it ends on the screams and it goes oh. right to black. Are we going to yeah. pause here or are we going to read right through? How many acts are there? Two? Ooh. Just two. Okay. Yeah. Dang. What do you guys say? Well, we can pause here. You want to talk about act one or do you want to just keep going? I don't know. I, I don't know if I can sit here and pause and talk let's, that Okay, long. let's sure. keep going. Let's keep I'm going. I'm into it. Okay, yeah, let's I'm do it. Yeah, because we got to do, because yeah. this is the later. Yeah. Okay. okay, cool. Because I want to know. So I actually want to know now. Me too. <laughs> this is going well. Yeah. Okay. It's a great place for a... Uh, intermission, like though, I think it's perfect. Totally. It was either that or dragging chains, but Ooh. it has to be the screams. <laughs> As the lights come on, sorry, act two. As the lights come on, we find the four boys standing in a circle, confused and scared. What in the actual hell was that? Hall. What in the actual hall was that? Because it might be in the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> screaming it can't be a scream the school is closed there's no one in here except us well if we're in here then it stands to reason someone else could be here as well why the scream though at school alone is supposed to be fun right not scary 
Well, whatever it is, we should probably figure out what it is, right? Why? Why? Because this could be an adventure. No. It could be a mystery solved. No. Someone might be in trouble. No. I never thought I'd agree with Drew, the arsonist, but he's right. Think about it, Alex. If someone else is in trouble, that means we aren't. And I'm fine not putting myself in danger for the fun of it. In Die Hard, Bruce Willis, one man against 11, doesn't grab a gun and start going after all the terrorists, does he? Randy and Drew and Alex look at Jordan quizzically. I'm not convinced you've seen the movie. That is exactly what he does. That's the whole plot. But this isn't a Hollywood movie, and life doesn't follow like your precious films do. Earlier, you were convinced you had witnessed some rear window. Right, where it turns out the neighbor murdered his wife. Randy, Jordan, and Alex look at Drew quizzically. What? I like artful film noir, and I'm intrigued by the post-war cult of domesticity. (laughs) Right. Whatever. To Alex. And now you want to be John McClane. Guns blazing, shouting things like, Yippee-ki-yay, mother- That's it! Rear window. Mr. Potter. I thought we determined he was gone and practicing his voodoo sorcery on his own turf. A graveyard. Because he's terrifying. (laughs) But that's just it. Maybe he didn't leave. What if he stayed because he knew the school was closing early? There'd be no one here to bother him. I saw him, before the bell rang, dragging a freaking heavy bag through the hallway. Like, it was hard. He had to pause each time he dragged it. It looked like torture. Like Sisyphus, pushing the rock in Tartarus. Nice. Randy, Jordan, and Alex look at Drew quizzically. I also know a lot about Greek mythology. (laughs) Who are you? Look, I'm telling you guys, there was something, more likely someone in that bag, that he didn't want anyone to know about. He was talking to the bag, telling it to be quiet. Look, we've all heard the rumors about Potter, but what if they're actually true? What if, right now, he's the one causing those screams? Maybe he's doing human sacrifice. What if he's creating a Frankenstein? Turns to face the audience. Before you nerds say anything, yes, we know that Frankenstein was the doctor. Calm down. Faces back to the boys. What if he's actually murdering someone? What if, at this very moment, he's, he's tearing the fabric to the upside down and releasing the mind flare? Wow, those are some big high stakes. We should probably investigate, right? Or, just off the top of my head, we stay right where we are, far away from the screams, try calling the police, and making our presence as inconspicuous as possible. If it actually is Potter, we're lucky his office is so isolated that he hasn't found us yet. Especially with that fire. I'm sure we put it out. The network is still down, so calling the police won't do any good. And what you say makes sense. However, I'm going to ignore your advice, and I'm going to get to the bottom of this. We don't even know what or if we heard anything. We're making a lot of assumptions. Maybe what we heard was the sound of the student they think is living in the vents. Harold? Nah, they got him out three years ago. But again, (laughs) and I can't believe I'm going to agree with the arsonist, but maybe we just thought we heard screams. Randy to the audience. Huh. Okay. Well, that is indeed a scream. <laughs> you guys can stay here if you want, but I'm going to figure out what's going on. Something sinister is certainly going on, and it's time to stop Potter once and for all. 
I know we apparently can't be friends, but it's in your best interest to help us. Think about how much Potter has it out for you. Well, you did light the garbage can on fire. Over 2,000 views on TikTok. <laughs> Drew looks around at Randy, Jordan, and Alex thinking, before finally declaring, almost aggra- aggravatedly. Fine, I'll help you. But don't think this means we're friends, that you can sneak into my DMs. I wouldn't want to. I want complete deniability when the police eventually come for you. Drew approaches Randy aggressively, and the two almost look as though they may fight. Alex getting in between Randy and Drew. That's enough. Look, the only way we get out of this is by pretending to get along. Fighting's not going to accomplish anything. Now be better. Even Harry and Malfoy got along by the end. (laughs) Now, here's what we need. Proof of whatever Potter is doing. Stop him from going through with murder and become heroes. The screams sounded like they came from this way. So we should follow it. No. The screams definitely came from this way. Points to the left. Fine. It'll be quicker if we pair off and see what we can uncover. Drew and I will go this way. Points to the right. And Randy, Jordan, you go this way. Points to the left. Network is still down, so we'll need to be back here in ten minutes. We'll be Team Tactical Attacks. High five, Jordan. That's great. Fantastic name. We'll be Team... Nope, no teams. That's enough. Let's go. Fine. Operation Custodian Sweep begins now. Randy and Jordan exit stage left. Alex and Drew exit stage right. Fade to black. When the lights come back up, we see Randy and Jordan walking sneakily through the hall. Potter better check himself if we find him. I will Taekwondo if I have to. Those screams are terrifying, though. I think it might take more than Taekwondo to stop whatever he's doing. We'd be probably better off with magic. Or modern dance. So at this point, he starts snapping fingers low, a la Jets from West Side Story. (laughs) It's been almost ten minutes. And we've been up and down the entire hallway and into every classroom door we can get into and haven't seen or heard anything. Maybe we really were just hearing things. Some of that food in the CTF room looks expired and is probably wreaking havoc on our senses. Maybe, but Drew heard the screams too. That guy? What was he actually still doing in the school? You really don't think he's here on purpose, do you? Could he just be messing with us? But it did sound like he was crying. It really did. Which is weird because he's incapable of emotions. Because he's a robot. Jordan and Randy stop before the last door in the hallway and Randy turns the knob. The door opens. This is the last door in the hallway. Let's have a look. Jordan and Randy begin looking around the classroom. Under desks, on counters, in garbage cans and find nothing. Nothing. I still don't know what exactly we're looking for. Either whatever the screams are coming from or something that shows what Potter is up to. Oh, oh my God, Jordan. Look over here, under that desk. Did you see that? See what? What is it? Go look. I swore I saw something move. Jordan slowly and cautiously begins to crouch and eventually crawl toward the the desk. Eventually, he is under the desk, looking intently for something. What is it? What am I looking for? Randy begins to crawl toward the desk, cautiously, helping Jordan to see what it is he was looking at. Didn't you see it? It looked like something was moving. It could be anywhere. Even right... Here! Randy taps Jordan on the opposite shoulder and screams the word here, startling him. Jordan jumps up, startled and angry. Ah, don't do that! 
He grabs Randy and gets him into a headlock. Randy stops struggling. That's right, Taekwondo. As the boys are in this position, we hear footsteps approaching, getting louder with each subsequent step. Wait, shut up. Did you hear that? Randy, who is being quiet and still in a headlock, responds. Yeah, and that's not the footfall of teenagers. Suddenly, Mr. Potter appears at the doorway entrance, entering stage left, carrying a bag. For five cents, it's Potter. Quick, hide! Jordan and Randy quickly fall to the ground, hiding under the desk in a prone position. Ideally, Jordan and Randy will be stage right, with Potter stage left, leaving a gap in the middle of the stage. Anybody here? Ugh. But why have they left the light on? No one cares about anything anymore. Oh well, I can hide this in here for now. It's not like you'll be needing these anymore. Potter walks to the middle of the stage and drops the bag on the floor. He turns to exit stage left, takes one last look across the room, pauses, and leaves. When Potter has left the room, Randy and Jordan stand up slowly. Holy shiitake mushrooms, Batman. That was close. Okay, so we know Potter is still here, but what's in the bag? Randy and Jordan slowly walk across the stage to the middle, where the bag is placed. It's not a garbage bag. And anyway, there's no way he'd stay to do custodial work, would he? What if it's a dismembered body? Foot, foot, head, hand, hand, kneecaps. What if his sacrifice is finished already? Okay, before you start to really freak out, we have to take a look. We need to figure out what he's up to and let the others know. Randy begins to approach the bag cautiously, reaching in a very over-exaggerated manner to try and unzip the bag trying to physically stay as far away from the bag as possible. He begins to unzip. Don't do it! I don't want to see a dead body! I'm too innocent! Randy looks into the bag and digs a little bit. How many body parts is it? It's not body parts, but it's not much better. It's clothes. Female clothing. Randy pulls out a variety of clothes from the bag. His victims. That's why he said he won't be needing these anymore. Jordan and Randy sort through the clothing, looking at various pieces. Randy holds a garment and examines it. Jordan, look. He holds the shirt up to Jordan, showing him what he's found. Look at these red splatters here and here. The shirt has blood on it. And there's a name embroidered on the chest. Claire. Well, now we know the name of his victim. We gotta tell Alex and Drew. Let's get out of here. Jordan and Alex drop the clothes. Uh, Jordan and Randy drop the clothes oh. and exit stage left. Fade to black. Good God. Good God. Getting good. Oh, oh man. man. Okay. <laughs> if Jordan doesn't play it exactly that way in the actual production, we're going to have talks, all right? That has uh, to. I'm happy to take on the narration, but I almost want to hear him doing the narration, too. I can take over the narration. Okay, you take over the narration. I just want to hear it. I think it's going to be dynamite. <laughs> All right, we're carrying on? Yeah. Yes. Fade to black. When the lights come up, we see Alex and Drew walking through the hallway, trying to ascertain where the screams came from. Alex, so do you want to talk about why you were locked in school? Nope. And you're sure everything is okay? It's okay if you were crying. I wasn't, and I don't ever cry so just drop it. You must have been hearing things, like those supposed screams. Oh, come on. You know those were screams. You heard them, too. I know. 
but we haven't heard them again and we haven't found anything. Ugh, let's just hope this stupid storm ends and we can leave. So, any big plans for Christmas? Oh my god, stop. Look, just because we're trapped in school, walking around trying to find screams together, doesn't mean we're friends or that we're going to talk about our feelings and start getting along. When this is over, we can go our separate ways and be done with each other. Well, yeah, but we were friends once, until you started acting like an ass, doing dumb things and gathering a legion of idiot TikTok followers who watched you set a school garbage can on fire. Yeah, well, times change, people change. All right, we're done. There's no screams, no potter, and now we're just wandering aimlessly. Let's just go back to the guys hanging out with each other, and I'll go somewhere else. I'm done. Fine, whatever. Let's just take a look in the shop room, last place the screams could have come from. As Alex and Drew enter the room, they stop suddenly as they see Potter, with his back turned to the audience, kneeling on the ground, with a bag beside him. Alex and Drew immediately push themselves up against the back wall. Ideally, Alex and Drew will face the audience, and Potter will be kneeling, oblivious of the boy's appearance. It's Potter. He's still here. What's he doing? I can't tell. He has a, a bag. It's the same bag I saw him dragging earlier. He's kneeling over something. Look, he's putting something in the bag. Is he talking to himself or to someone? Shh. Almost there. No need to struggle. It'll all be over soon. Now where is that hammer? <laughs> Drew notices the hammer hanging on the wall next to him and nudges Alex. Alex shrugs, suggesting he doesn't know what to do. Drew takes the hammer and slides it along the floor to a steel kneeling potter, still kneeling potter, who picks it up in one smooth motion and places it in the bag. Ah, there it is. Potter very obviously strains and grunts as he picks something up, places it in the bag and zips the bag up. He tries to pick the entire bag up, but it's too heavy. He begins to drag the bag across the stage, struggling after each pull. All the while, the boys are still flattened against the back wall, watching him pull the bag. It should be played slowly, for comedic effect. Oh my, you're certainly heavier than the last one, aren't you? A bit more body on you, right? He exits stage left. Alex and Drew slowly unflatten themselves from the wall and approach the front of the stage, wide-eyed, looking terrified and incredulous the entire time. You saw that, right? We didn't just dream that. That was literally the exact same bag he dragged down the hallway in front of me earlier while I was in the locker. Well, you spilled my Gatorade. But yeah, I saw it. He put someone in the bag and dragged it out of the room. Does that mean he has two victims? Two sacrifices, two trophies, who knows? And the dragging. It was like the ghost of Jacob Marley dragging his change when he appears to Scrooge. To audience. Yeah, I'm well read. Nice reference. Puts hand in air to high-five Drew. Nope. Alex looks at his hand and puts it down somewhat dejectedly. Alright, we gotta get back to the room and tell Randy and Jordan. They've probably been there for ten minutes already. Alex and Drew exit stage left. Fade to black. When the lights come up, we see Randy and Jordan recreating the famous Empire Strikes Back lightsaber fight between Vader and Skywalker, using meter sticks and, with each contact, singing jingle bells. Eventually, Randy slices Jordan's hand off, and Jordan falls to the ground in fake pain. 
That's what you get for not doing your chores, son. Damn you, Vader. You're a bad father. Jordan stands up and gives Randy a high five. Alex and Drew enter. Stage left. Oh, oh my, my God. God. Thank God you're Thank here. God you're here. We, we didn't, didn't find where the screams were coming from. from. We saw Potter. 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 When? Where? At the end of our hallway. We were looking around, and he appeared suddenly. We had to hide, commando style, under the desk. He dropped off a bag of clothing and said, You won't be needing these anymore. <laughs> we looked through the bag. Female clothing, and one of them had blood on it, along with the name Claire. That must be the name of the person we saw Potter with. Drew and I were in the shop room and saw Potter stuffing someone into a bag and drag it out of the room, just like I saw when I was in the locker. It must mean he has two victims. We had to flatten ourselves against the wall. Thank God he didn't see us. He was too involved in filling his bag with his goodies. The sicko. He definitely talked to the person in the bag, saying, It'll be over soon. So where is he? We checked both hallways. Right. But we didn't check the one place he can hide out and be nefarious. His office. I'll bet that's where the screams are coming from. And if he just dragged another bag back there, we're bound to hear them soon. Guys, we've got the evidence. We've got bloody clothes. We saw him put a body in a bag. Guys, we gotta stop him. This is some real adventure stuff here. Who's with me? I'm in. Let's stop this psycho. All three look at Drew, who stands a little apart, waiting expectantly for his response. I suppose. Great. Fantastic. Just like Three Musketeers. Athos. Puts his hand out. Parthos. Aramis. The three look at Drew, (laughs) expecting him to join in. Drew just stands there for five seconds. Nope. Let's just go. Great. Fantastic. Let's do this. It might be dangerous. Let's weapon up. Ooh. I've... Got just the song for preparation. Pulls out phone and plays the song tonight. The other three look at Randy surprised, incredulous at his choice. It plays for ten seconds before he pauses it sheepishly. Makes sense. It reappropriates the love lyrics from Act 1 and implies the Jets love to fight as they prepare for the rumble. Alex, to audience. And this guy's our bully? Randy unpauses the song and it plays while Randy grabs a meter stick. Jordan grabs two pens off a desk. <laughs> Alex grabs two whiteboard eraser. And Drew picks up the garbage can. They stand center stage, looking badass. Randy taps the meter stick in his hands. Jordan crosses the pens like two swords. Alex taps the whiteboard erasers together, slowly. And Drew stands there, with the garbage can under his arms. It would be hilarious if something fell out of it. (laughs) Fade to black. And then this is the whole legality of the whole use of that song, if it's even possible. Okay. Do you write Stephen Sondheim? I'm not sure. We can just go to When the Lights Come Up. Okay. When the Lights Come Up, the characters are walking single file, weapons still in hand from stage right. They walk sneakily, emphasizing the quiet of their footfalls. The order is Alex, Drew, Randy, and Jordan. 
On the left side of the stage, we see Potter with his back turned to the audience, kneeling over something we can't see. We hear Christmas music playing again. A song. <laughs> Let's hear it. I don't know, like... Uh, oh, yeah. All I want for Christmas <laughs> is you. <laughs> <laughs> and as the boys approach, the song... <laughs> I was interrupted by, by three screams. <laughs> Those are the screams. You guys ready? Drew, you got to do me a favor. Can you record this on your phone? We can't call the police. We can catch him in the act and use this video as proof. Drew nods. Pulls out his phone with his left hand. Trash can goes under the right arm. For the rest of the scene, Drew will have his phone in his hand recording events. Stop struggling. Don't make me hit you again. We're almost done. As Potter raises the hammer in his hand, the boys rush into the room. Drop that right now. Put it down, you psycho monster. And careful, because I know Taekwondo. <laughs> Potter turns to the right, startled, still kneeling with his back to the audience. What's going on? Why are you kids here? You're not supposed to be here. You're supposed to be at home. You'd like that, wouldn't you? That way you could perform your sick experiments alone and get away with it. Not anymore. Step away from the body. Step away from Claire. Potter looks shocked and surprised. What body? What are you talking about? And more importantly, how do you know about Claire? Yeah, we found a bag of her clothes with blood on it. We saw you drag her body through the hallway. Maybe even twice. Potter standing up to reveal the object he's been kneeling over. I don't know what you kids are on about, but Claire is my daughter. And this is a bike. <laughs> he moves aside to reveal a handmade bike to the boys and to the audience. Randy, he thinks the bike... Oh, sorry. Randy aside to Jordan, but loud enough for everyone to hear, including Potter. He thinks the bike is his daughter. <laughs> this is a bike. My daughter's name is Claire. This bike is not my daughter. Now, you all may have erasers and pens and a meter stick, but I'm still older, bigger, and stronger. So what are you doing here? Alex looks at Potter and the boys, understanding the truth of what Potter says, and shrugs his shoulders. We got locked in the school. By the time we tried to leave, the snow had locked all the doors and the network is down, so we can't call out or text. We don't know why he's here. <laughs> Pointing to Drew. Well, now that we've got that out of the way, you kids can go back to being locked in the school away from me. You can clearly see that there is no body, and more importantly, you can see me not wanting to talk to you. Get out of here! Not until you tell us why you're here. Counteroffer. I lock you in this room with me. In the minute the phones work, I call the police. Tell them you're trespassing and you spent your Christmas getting in trouble with your parents. Maybe a little bit of screaming at and you punks might smarten up. Points at Drew. Especially you. I imagine one more strike against you and your parents will ship you somewhere else. As soon as the doors can open, 
go home. Now, get out of my office. The boys turned to walk out of the room, slinking away slowly. All right, well, sorry. Have a good Christmas. Hope Claire has a Merry Christmas, too. At these words, we see Potter drop to his knees and start crying. As he's crying, the characters turn around, shocked. Alex looks at the boys, wondering if he should approach Potter to see why he's crying. As he moves closer, the boys emphatically shake their heads. He walks back to the group. He repeats this process a few times, hopefully for comedic effect, as the boys really don't want him to, each time getting closer, until he finally taps Potter on the shoulder. Are you okay, Mr. Potter? Mr. Potter looks up at the boys for a minute and motions for them to sit down. Two sit down in chairs in his office, one on the floor in a circle around Potter. Drew can sit on his garbage can. Do you really want to know? The boys nod uncertainly. It is important that Drew is still seen recording on his cell phone. Christmas is tough for me. But it wasn't always so. At this point, Potter will regale the audience with his story, his history. Ideally, it would be great if the flashback were played as an actual pre-recorded silent movie. I like that idea. Like Smoke with Harvey Keitel. We'll talk about that later. (laughs) Maybe even black and white as he tells his story. This is where young Potter will appear, as will his wife and daughter, Claire. His story would be told as a voiceover. It's like he'd narrate while the... And the bats are in the belfry. Just got shivers. We can play nice... Oh, sorry. We can play nice music as well. Tom Waits, preferably. (laughs) Nope. Emotional music. If not, then the right side of the stage could perhaps be used to present important moments from Potter's story as a tableau. Okay. For as long as I can remember. Just, sorry, before oh, sorry. I interrupt the... Gonna get, it's a long kind of monologue. You might hurt your voice if you um, <laughs> carry on. Yeah, just <laughs> so you know. Mm. Okay, I'll try to shift into a more mellow, sort of, kind of subtle Tom Waitsy. <laughs> For as long as I can remember, Christmas was always a wonderful time. And as a young child growing up in Ireland... He's Irish? He's Irish. You're going to have to add the accent now. Shite. No, 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 no. Oh. Terror T1, terror No, no, he's not a stereotypical Irish. He's been here for years. Read the story. Okay. Uh, just read the story <laughs> there. Read the story there, infectious. Okay, you know what? No. Oh, a okay, he's, from, he's from fucking South Africa now, okay? Can you do Afrikaans? Oh, shite. Huh? <laughs> yeah, you stop it. As I was a young child growing up in Ireland, my, <laughs> sorry. my parents really showed me the true meaning of Christmas in the act of giving. My parents instilled in me from my youngest age the importance of giving and helping those less fortunate. Every Christmas we'd volunteer at the homeless... Holy shit, this is long. Okay. <laughs> Every Christmas we'd volunteer at the homeless shelter and to see the sheer joy and appreciation from people who had so little and were less fortunate. And so from a very early age I decided I wanted to spend my life helping people. As a young man, I worked for a charity, and that was where I met the love of my life, my wife, Allie. 
She also worked at the charity. And when we looked into each other's eyes, it was like seeing the starry night for the very first time. We got married shortly after. And even though we didn't have much money, we had the most amazing honeymoon and spent most of it exploring small villages in France on bikes. Allie loved riding her bike more than anything. It was, as she described it, like being taken and lifted up in the wind, carefree and flowing. We knew that we wanted to spend our life together helping people, so we made the decision to move to Canada. And it was here we opened up another charity together. We never thought we could be happier until we were blessed with a daughter, Claire, the kindest, sweetest, and most playful girl you could ever imagine. She loved to joke and play tricks on us. And she loved school and, like her parents, she loved to help people. We were in the throes of unbridled happiness, love, our family, and we never thought it would end and life would be great. That all changed when one Christmas, Claire got sick. The light of our life was suddenly no longer the vivacious, playful, joyful, loving daughter we knew. She was in constant pain. We didn't know what it was, and we tried everything we could to find out. When the doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong, we sold our house and moved into a modest two-bedroom apartment. We spent all our life saving, seeking out the best care for Claire. We flew to Australia to meet with specialists. We paid for experimental treatments and, to our despair, we were forced to sell the charity we had started, but it was for Claire. We were determined to do everything we could to make her better, but it was all to no avail. The following year, at Christmas time, our little girl was gone. Shortly after, my wife, Allie, got sick. The doctors called it nerve and muscular degeneration, but anyone who has lost a child will tell you it was from a broken heart. Over time, Allie's degeneration made it very difficult for her to be mobile for long periods of time. and She spent many days bedridden with only me to care for her. I applied for one of the few jobs that would allow me to devote my time to looking after Ali. So I became the custodian at the school. And here is where I've remained all these years. At this point, the flashback will end. The video will stop playing. Well, the side of the stage devoted to the tableau will be empty again. The lights can come up. I know what everyone says about me. About all the rumors, but... After spending and devoting my life to looking after and helping others, I was rewarded with nothing but pain, loss, and sorrow. Wouldn't you be a little bit despairing if you spent your life doing what you thought was right and what was good, only to end up like this? This bike is something I've been building for Ali in the hopes that it might make her happy again. She always says that when she's able, the first thing she wants to do is ride a bike and feel the goodness in life again. I guess I hoped that making her this bike might 
make this happen. The four boys, obviously saddened by, Miss, by Potter's story, wiped their eyes. I'm really sorry, Mr. Potter. We had no idea, but, but there are still a few things we don't qu that don't, don't quite make sense. There's a lot of plot holes. Well, Looks at audience. Hopefully they'll get it. For instance, what was with the bag of clothes and the blood on them? Those were Claire's clothes. The donation for goodwill. We've been holding on to them, I guess, in, in the hopes the memory of Claire won't fade. But I realized that if they could be given to someone else who would wear, wear them, it's for the best. And it's not blood, it's red glitter from the time she made Mars in her model for the solar system for her school. Okay, but why were you dragging the bags down the hallway, telling it to be quiet? Have you ever lifted a bag of scrap metal? It's heavy. Have you ever heard scrap metal scrape the floor? It's punishing, like nails on a chalkboard. Okay, well, why are we in this room? And why, or why are we in the shop room? And why so secretive of all this? The shop teacher always has leftover scrap metal that will just get thrown out otherwise. Why the secrecy? I don't get paid to make a bicycle during school hours. Principal Perry would come down hard on me. Yeah, that's something he does. Why are you still at the school? Uh, like you lads, I got locked in. I was hoping to finish the bicycle in time, but... The snowstorm was abrupt, and by that time, I couldn't open the doors. Okay, but we've all, we've been all over the school, having an at-school alone party, and we were not quiet. Also, there was a small fire. It's out. Right, but how did you not hear us? Because building a bike is noisy, and also, I listen to music with headphones on while I'm working. But we heard screaming. Where did the screams come from? Screams? There were no screams. The four boys look at each other, beginning to panic at the prospect of a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Remember how I told you that Claire loved to play practical jokes on us? One of the last things she made was a Christmas CD. <laughs> But true to her personality, she inserted the howl of a red fox at random moments. <laughs> Listen. All I want for... Christmas is you. And that is an actual red fox, just so you all know. Oh, really? That's what a red fox oh sounds like. Yeah. And if my headphones are out, then the music plays out loud. Jordan to the audience. It all checks out. Again, Mr. Parter, we're, we're so sorry. We didn't know. And we didn't mean to, you know. If there's anything I've learned from life, it's that Christmas miracles aren't a real thing. And to treasure your family. It can all go away so suddenly. Drew puts his phone down and begins to cry audibly, noticeably. Drew, to the group. I'm not here because I'm a rascal or because I was going to do anything for my TikTok. I'm here because it's better than being at home. I never told anyone this, but at the beginning of grade seven, my parents decided to get divorced. Really? They seemed so solid. Yeah, well, they're good at putting on a show for others. I get the real them. 
They spent the last three years yelling at each other or taking it out on me. And then I have to spend one week with one parent, the next with another. All they do is snipe and talk about the other one behind their back to me. So I'm constantly in the middle. This is why I do all the stupid stuff I do, I guess. The garbage can fire, the TikTok. It's so that maybe they'll notice me just a little bit. It's nice to get attention when it's not negative. I lost a lot of trust in people. And I know I pushed you all away when I probably should have been relying on you. But the less people you have in your life, the less they can hurt you. All I know is that I can't stand the constant fighting. It's like they don't even care for me. I was at the school because they couldn't stop fighting long enough to pick me up from school. I got a text saying I should walk. Told you he was crying. Yeah, but it's weird. I don't even feel happy being right about that. The sound of a wireless emergency alert is heard cacophonously on all cell phones. The boys take their phones out of their pockets and look at them. It's a weather alert. Says the storm is done and is expected to warm up. Does your stereo get radio? It does. Here. Potter turns the stereo on as we hear the radio announcement play. The freak snowstorm which shut down infrastructure and networks across the city has ended. And even weirder, the temperature is expected to swing a full 20 degrees in the next hour or so. Global warming, am I right? <laughs> Potter turns the stereo off. Looks like you kids can start getting ready to go. It's pretty late. 10 o'clock. You've been here for about 8 hours. Aren't you going to leave as well? I need to stay here and finish this bike for Allie. I do hope she'll like it. The boys turn and walk out the door, leaving Potter sitting alone in the dark. At this point, the boys will occupy the right side of the stage with Potter on the left. That was super sad. I guess I never even thought to understand Potter, or whether he had anything going on in his life. Poor guy. He spends his whole life helping and caring for other people, and everyone just sees him as some curmudgeonly cranky old coot. I wish there was something we could do for him. Like, buy him a new broom? <laughs> right. Right. There's that. Or, what if there was some way to show him that he's appreciated and his life wasn't all for nothing? That there still is some goodness out there? Drew, the whole school follows your TikTok, right? All the students some of their parents as well. Great, that's stupendous. You recorded everything on your phone, right? We have Potter's whole story. What if we upload that to TikTok and tell everyone to come to the school as an appreciation for Potter? Once they see a story, they'll see what a good guy he is and how much he needs this. Have everyone bring a couple of bucks for a donation for Potter. I mean, we do have an entire school at our disposal. A school party for Potter. You think people would actually come? Christmas break began eight hours ago. Yeah, so you know the kids are already bored and have nothing to do. And with Drew's influencer status, we could pack this place and show Potter how much we appreciate him. Let's do it. But how many parents are going to let their kids come back to the school this late at night? Look, if the movies have taught us anything, it's that a heartfelt, feel-good story always wins out. And as soon as one kid decides to come, they'll text their friend will badge their parents and then they'll text their friends. It's not like we're selling black tar heroin. Which parent wants to be the one who didn't let their kid come to the Christmas celebration miracle of Potter? Alex places his hand out. Randy and Jordan put theirs on top and all three look at Drew. After a three second pause, Drew puts his hand in. Fade to black. 
At this point, ideally, we'd have Drew's TikTok message pre-recorded as a TikTok and shown on a screen. If that doesn't happen, then we'll have Alex recording Drew as he makes his TikTok. For staging, it's important that the stage be split into two, left and right side. The action will take place on the left side, but as the scene progresses, the right side will become more involved. But it's a slow build. What's up, Drew crew? This is your boy Drew with something completely different than what you're expecting. I know I promised you a tooth filing video, but something came up. So check this out. Can you believe that we got locked in the school tonight? It was just me and my boys, Randy, Jordan, and Alex. Say hi, fellas. Hi. hi. <laughs> so anyway, we're locked in the school when I swear to God, we hear blood curdling screams through the halls and we investigate and surprise, surprise, it turns out Potter is the cause of it, but not in the way you think. I need you all to watch this video. Then we'll play the video or like, it'll be apparent the video has been played or something, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. So what can we ever possibly do for someone who has given everything so selflessly and had it all taken away from him? I know Christmas break just started, but this is super important. Come on down to the school, bring a donation, and show this man, the one we all judged inappropriately, harshly, made up rumors about. Let's show the most misunderstood man in the school that he is appreciated. Everyone deserves a happy Christmas, so let's give it to him. Principal Perry, I know you follow me on TikTok. Don't even pretend like you don't. We need you down here to open the school for what's about to go down. Don't you go all Grinch on us and ruin Christmas. <laughs> oh, and if anyone has an extra bike lying around, bring that too. At this point, the action will continue to take place on the left side of the stage, but as the scene progresses, the right side will fill up with characters who are there for Potter. We'll have one individual on the side for a few minutes, and gradually characters will slowly fill in the right side of the stage, all while the action on the left side happens. The left side of the stage will now will have the four characters getting ready for the party. Perhaps they're making a banner or something like that. Yeah, I don't even know. I hope this works, guys. After hearing Potter's story, he deserves it. Hopefully, we can give him a Christmas miracle. You know what? What we have is good, but we can do even better. Come with me. The boys all go to Drew's locker, and as he opens it, they all gasp. You have fireworks in your locker? What in the actual hall were you going to do with those? It's probably better if you don't know. Do you even want to know what else you've got in there? Probably not. Shut's locker. Let's go. Drew, Randy, and Jordan walk to the right side of the stage, which will serve as the door to the outside. So, all the people gathered right now, all the loads of students and parents are outside. We see Principal Perry making his way through the crowd and opens the door, where he sees Drew, Randy, and Jordan. It looks like you kids have had quite the adventure. Hopefully you didn't start any fires. <laughs> I have to admit, I never knew any of this about Mr. Potter. Quite frankly, he was terrifying. Drew. It's nice to see you using your influence for good. Now, what can I do to help? Can we open the doors and let everyone in? Let's do it! At this point, some of the people gathered on the right side of the stage can form two lines, leaving a gap in the middle. Alex goes to Mr. Potter, who is still sitting in the dark of the stage. At this point, the lights will go up on Alex and Potter, and the rest of the stage will be dark with everyone in position. Mr. Potter? Potter looks up at Alex. Can you come with me for a second? I really need to finish this bike, and Allie is probably worried sick about me. You know, it was really nice talking to you kids. I haven't told anyone about Claire or Allie before, and it feels like a bit of a relief to share some of my pain with you. You've made an old man happy. 
you have a good Christmas. No, it's it's really important. There's a a, a small fire in the hallway. Again? You kids in fire. I guess I better put it out. Alex and Potter walk across the stage, and as they leave Potter's office, we see numerous students and parents lining the hallway, applauding and cheering Potter, who is overcome with emotion. What is this? What's going on? When we heard your story, we were overcome with guilt and sadness. We didn't realize how much you spent your life serving and helping others, and all the good things you did for others, and how little you got in return. Nothing we do will bring back all you've lost, but we want you to know that we appreciate you. Because it's Christmas time, and at Christmas time you tell the truth. As Alex and Potter continue walking, they will reach outside, at which point the lights should mimic fireworks, alternating between red, blue, and green. A student brings a bike to Potter and gives it to him as a gift. We collected donations for you. A hands Potter a basket of money. Principal Perry. Mr. Potter! Perry, what are you doing here? Your story touched a lot of people. Not most of all, not most of all these four kids who made this happen in so little time. Also, you're fired. There's a brief pause of uncertainty from all involved. I was just chatting with some of the parent council and other teachers, and after hearing your story, it's clear you don't belong at this school. Potter <laughs> begins to protest. Now, no complaints. You're being made redundant, which means you're going to get severance and your pension. That's for you. And from us, we're going to raise enough money to reopen your charity. You don't belong as a custodian. You were born to help people. And it's about time someone helped you. Thank you. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. Perhaps there is still a little room for miracles at Christmas. It's like that saying from the greatest Christmas movie ever made. No man is a failure who has friends. Randy is seen playing guitar while the ensemble cast sings Old Lang Syne. A clear homage to Charlie Brown Christmas. And also, It's a Wonderful Life. And that's it. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah! Woo! Yeah. That was good!